Welcome to AF Eloquence, a footy podcast where we are eloquent AF about all things footy. Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is Emil Freund. My name is Bart Welch, and we're coming to you on Thursday, the maybe it's the 13th of June. It is the 13th Spot of on. June. Um, it's a Thursday morning. It's a very short week. You know, you get your Monday off, um, pay your homage to the Queen, uh, and then you got a game of footy on Thursday. And you got a few days in there. Is a week still a long time in footy? given we have a shorter week because of the Monday-Thursday game and also because of the bye week. Does that change the length of a time a week goes for in footy or is it the same amount of time? I can't quite figure it That's out. That's a really good point. <clears throat> and you're really... I'm staring off into the distance now because you're really making me think about this. I feel like <clears throat> maybe when you've got a long weekend and a Monday off and then a game on Thursday, which trims down the non-footy... You know, that's only three days without football on. This is, which is kind that's, of... That's, we will, well, we know a footy week is a long time in footy, in football time. That's a fairly long time. So maybe three days is just like your regular. This is just a normal week in footy. This is just a, a regular oh. week in footy. Not much. So for the happen. mere mortals, just mm. a normal week. But for footy, like this is a short week for us. But for footy players, ordinary week. It's an ordinary just, week. Uh, just take them back to, to, to the days of yore, to, to, their, to their junior days when weeks were normal length and not a long time. That's right. One bloody time. Not a heap can happen. And so going by this, I guess we, we might actually just wrap it up here. Not much has happened. Just, it's not a long, oh. <laughs> it's not a long week in it's footy. It's a short footy, it's a short footy week. week. There's about. not much news. It's a slow news week. So thanks everyone for listening in again. I have Eloquence said all we'll the socials. Catch you in a week. Catch <laughs> you later. Bye. When there's news after a long time, mm-hmm. I love I'm loving the buy round, buddy. I tell you what, yeah. I um, I've been finding it like I don't know if it's because I'm busier this weekend, this year during weekends than normal because I'm you know works a bit changeable and whatever or what, but I'm finding it, or maybe it's the pressure of having a footy podcast. I'm finding it difficult to keep up ordinarily with all the games of a weekend, whereas this week, mwah, yeah. It was nice. Watch almost all of them. Maybe it's a sign yeah. of um, <clears throat> some kind of maturity or something. Because I know a lot of people in the past like, it's too much football, it's too relentless. And I'm like, what are you talking about? But this week... Wrong. Yeah, that's yeah. that's wrong. I'm going to stop you there. Wrong. <laughs> Thanks for your opinion. <laughs> but you know you're dead wrong. But I've also maybe... <laughs> it probably does come with the territory of doing a, a weekly podcast and then trying to navigate that when um, things... Like Emil, Emil right now is in... I'm looking... He's in a log cabin, it seems, and he's very much fitting the part. He's got this fantastic beard and his amazing hair, which I can only dream of having hair like that. And a nice plaid shirt. And a plaid shirt because you know. he's down in Tasmania in the island state, my home state, venue managing a place, a venue for Mo, uh, Dark Mofo, which is just That's right. quite a hustle and very awesome. But, you know, these things are tough, right? To navigate, to get this That's- sorted, to get this up. I dream of the day when I'll be able to travel for footy-related reasons rather than just for fucking arts. Bullshit. No money fucking in that. Boring old arts. Yeah, no, nah. no money in the arts. Want is footy there? travel. Yeah, we want nah. that. We want that footy travel and that cola, that cost of living allowance. Yeah. Give us those per diems. Ooh. Oh yeah. <laughs> does that mean you have to? Does that mean you get paid less because if you're living in Tassie because the cost of living is lower here? No, that's a good point. Maybe. <laughs> and speaking of, so what? <laughs> yeah, you go. No, well, when they inevitably introduce an, a, a, a Tassie team in the AFL, which there was a big announcement of this week. Yeah, yeah this, this is what, is what I was going to jump on. Yeah, yeah I, I only read this it. This is big. It is big. And because it's, there's little whispers, like Gil said, you know, it's, it's 
they're putting the structure in place, Gil McLaughlin. And then, yeah. and then there was a few journalists and like Tim Watson, I can't remember who else, but a few people just said pretty definitively, like there'll be a Tassie team in the next... 2026. Yeah, like the next, within the next five, 10 years. It was like, oh, all yeah, of a sudden well, this um, is just, I, that's just happened. It's going to happen. Yeah. Really strange. And they, well, the CEO of Virgin Australia is leading up a task force uh, and he is putting together a business proposal at the um, auspices of the Tasmanian state government to show the AFL that it is viable to have a footy team down here. Wow. I mean, I'm on, I'm on the ground and I can, I can, look, can I've seen it? lots of people. Oh, yeah. I've seen lots of people around Hobart. Like I've seen, I reckon dozens of people. Oh, that's That's enough. pretty good. Like they pop them behind the goals. They've got a footy to go for. Yeah. Pop 12 people behind the goals with big flags and you'll see them. Oh, you mightn't he- chuck them there. Yeah, hear them at the other end if you're playing. If you if you're going, you know, after quarter time when you're kicking the other way, you mightn't be able to hear them down the other no. end. But you'll see them, them. up. You'll see their flags, oh, yeah. and you can kick a goal from you know hundred meter, hundred fifty meters down the other end. Kick a goal, turn around, and just point to those twelve people. I did this for you, Tazzy, Tazzy Devils. And speaking of names, right? Is it is mm. it um? Because I, I saw the, the Devils has been floated. Yeah, <laughs> Which, I did see that. And we've talked about this and for I, a long time. So and many it, so many occasions. And I heard you on the uh, the Ruck Rover podcast. Oh, shout out to the Ruck Rover podcast. Shout out to the Ruck Rover. Great work. Shout out to Ruck Rover. Meant to do really it great week. show. I really enjoyed listening to it and uh, and hearing your wise words. Um, it, you know, I just felt a little bit jealous. But <laughs> only a little bit. Well, mm. well, I, I, the best part about it was those wise, wise words that I spouted on the show. One of the wisest words that got like um, quoted and was one of the talking points was, were, were your wise words that I used and, uh, and plagiarized on a different podcast. Which was uh, Gary, well, you were, Gary Rowan, maybe the recruit of the year. You were representing AF Eloquence in my ears, so I was happy for you to take that one, That's right. buddy. Um, although we both know that Gary Rowan was... That was me. That's you. <laughs> if he wins it, not down to him, it's all me. It's you. You're it's the, that podcast juju in the in the Exactly. The you put it out there and now you're getting rewards for it. And I'm also putting it out there, your words. <laughs> and also getting the <laughs> rewards for such a, a smart opinion. Um, but yeah, shout out to the Ruck Rover and Christian. He does a great job. It's a really cool podcast. He does. So have a listen it to that. Is, yeah. If um if any of y'all out there looking for some more football content, it's a good one. Um it but is, yes, it's yeah, we talked we talked about a little bit on there about the Tassie team and now yeah, it's it feels like okay, his 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 thought was the Tassie Timbers as a as a title. It's a good it was a pr- pretty good it. crack. Yeah, I like it too. Yeah. And I um and it looks you know very fitting with the image of you that I'm looking at now with pretty much nothing oh, yeah. but timber in the background. <laughs> the, the lumberjack. The lumberjack. Oh. Here he is. Yeah. Timber. You can imagine some, you know, GWS esque song as well. A real, oh, yeah. you know, with. We are the heights of the Tassie trees. <laughs> <laughs> we cut down the old growth forests. <laughs> See, it writes itself. It basically writes oh. itself. <laughs> Who needs Harry James Angus to do it? Yeah. I know. What a sweet thing. Cat Empire wrote their bloody song. So cool. Love that. Yeah. Right out. So cool. Right Tassie. Yeah, the well. Gold Coast just got this plonking song. I don't even know it. I don't want to know it. Well, I, that was that was to the tune of the Gold Coast song. 
We are the sons of the Gold Coast sky. Oh, of course it That's is. That's the battle I know. Yeah, it is too. Sorry, we are the sons of the red, blue, no, uh, uh, the yellow and, I don't know, whatever. <laughs> yellow and blue. Fucking <laughs> me- about as memorable as the way they play. It is, yeah. Well, Which I is hope- memorable only in that you remember that it sucked. Yeah, that's about it, right? You hear the first bit and you're like, oh, yeah, there it is. That's right. It sucks. I hope mm-hmm. I don't have to refresh my memory uh, this weekend when the Saints play them. How about this? If we lose, yeah. I will sit there and I will listen to their song over and commit over. Commit to learn the words? I'll learn the words. I'll learn. If the like Saints it. lose to Gold Coast, I'll commit to learning their whole song. Yeah. That- well, this is the first game. I mean, we jumping ahead to this round, but... Mm. Um, from the bright lights of Shanghai to the uh, to the terraces of Townsville, mm, I don't know. I'd have How do you it. feel about? It's the first game for Premiership points in Townsville. Is that right? Uh, if you, mm, I would say no, <laughs> but mm. you sound like you might know more than me. I think I heard that, but I, I tend to do that. Um, just say things with confidence, and then people assume that it's real. That's what people go a long way in their careers by doing that. So that's Mate, I got all the way to Tassie by doing that. So that's true. You're moving up or south, down in the world, whichever way you want to look at it. But keep, I reckon that's a good, moving. good way that's to be. Moving, that's the key. You're moving. Inertia's, that's the enemy. That's exactly right. It's all about movement. Keep on moving, Millie. Well, um, I reckon you said it with such confidence that, yes, it is. It is the first game for Premiership points in Townsville. So I, I think that we, we obviously play very well there, the Saints. We love Townsville. Oh, no doubt. We love it up there. Love Townsville. Mm-hmm. This time of year, get out of the cold Victorian winter um, and get to Townsville for some sunshine and, and, and football. Hopefully yeah. not the sun's shining in the football, but no. maybe some sunshine and a good game of football. That's right. Better rephrasing there. That's not nice. And also, if the Saints could just have like nothing but potatoes for the you know this week leading up, no chance yeah, of getting yeah, sick. Yeah. Just potatoes and salted meats, cured meats. Yeah, maybe a sayo biscuit or, or, or like a, something like that. Very plain, nothing. Very plain, nothing else. And water, and that'll do you. Mm. And no one gets sick and we'll be all fine. Um, uh, but just on that last bit with the Tassie team, though, it's 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 going to be conflicting for me, merely being a Tasmanian, when a team comes in, because I'm always going to have that that soft spot for, for, for Tasmania. But there's no damn way I'm Absolutely. changing team. <laughs> I'm going for Saints no? for it. Nah, nah. Could, could you barrack for two at once? I could definitely have them as a team that I'm um, going for second. Or, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm rooting for them in the background. But, um, Jesus, would have been great when I was a kid. Uh, I, I might have been Wouldn't able it? to shift then. I don't, yeah. I'm not a patriotic man. I don't really give two fucks about where I'm from and what that means, really. Um, yeah. Not in this white sense of the word, anyway. So I, I don't, I don't really care about that that much. Um, hmm, interesting. Okay, so Tassie Timbers, uh, Tassie Devils is still being floated, which we, in our discussions, we'd kind of ruled out because of its similarity, obvious similarity to the Demons, and they wouldn't probably want to have no. Devils in the marketplace where Demons are already mm. uh, already playing. Um, I've always been a fan of the Mariners as like because that was the TAC uh, Cup name, wasn't that's it? That's right. Um, yeah, the right. Mariners. I like that as a name. I think it's it feels solid and pretty Aussie. Uh, yeah, it feels like an Aussie rules nickname anyway. It does, doesn't um, it? They had an Islanders. An- they had an anchor that was like a Dockers thing. So okay. I, I don't know if it that you know too close to that, but I know what you mean. From, with- from what I heard, they were going to be wearing the this the, the uh, state of origin Guernsey, the green with the Tassie flag on the front. I think that looks cool. Hey, why not just why not 
why don't they call them call them the um, Tassie Muffs or, or like Tassie Tassie Bushes or the Tassie Bushes? You know, the Tassie the Math the of Tassies. <laughs> the Tassie the Muffs. Can the Muffs? Ah, oh, you stink! Up the muff. You stink, Muffs! Oh man, <laughs> I, I could get around the Muffs. Get around the okay. Muff. Go Muffs. Um, up the mighty Muff. <laughs> up the Muffs. Yeah, I, I think. Um, well, because what else? Tassie Tiger, the a Tasmanian Tiger. Can't we? Can't be the Tigers. Can't do it. Or we? No. We could be the Wallabies. Wall. You know. Could be the Wallabies. Obviously, the rugby team flings to mind in Australian rugby team. Oh, true. But, but yep. still, we could tread on their toes of the rugby code. Um, what about the um, Tassie, what are they called? Paddy, Paddy Melons? Tassie Paddy Melons. We feel like mm. a real pushover when we come up against the kangaroos. <laughs> they just kick us in the head with their shin bones. monsters. Like, oh, they smashed us. <laughs> I guess they're the real marsupial. The real... <laughs> oh. Well, I think I've... I know I wasn't as too hot on the on the Devils because I've I've grown you know Tassie Devils has always been teams as well in Tassie we've always yeah. had I've I used to play against the Tassie Devils when I played for City for Launceston City my basketball team and the Devils mm-hmm. are, they've always had Devils in different all these leagues um, and I guess it is like you, you can either go the animal and then I guess you have your, your mascot that could be a devil but you know we got fucking swans hawks eagles magpies and crows. That's a lot it's of true. birds. It's true. And then we've got saints and demons. You could throw a devil it's in the mix. There's only one marsupial at this moment as well. True, true. Patty Mellon's could really even things out here. Well, I mean, yeah, but devils are marsupials too. Oh, so, of course. You know, is, um, hmm. Then it's settled. The devil's Done. <laughs> Locked away. Uh, Look, I think the Tassie Devils is obvious. the obvious choice. It's the best choice for a team name. Like, yeah. I think everyone understands that, but it's just obviously the demons, devils thing. But fuck it. Um, yeah, who will rule hell right. once and for all? It'd be quite the battle. Yeah. Battle from hell. I love it. Anyway. Oh, that'd be nice. Yeah? Yeah. Mm, Tasmania versus Oh, oh the apocalypse. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the apocalypse. Yeah. Yeah, sweet. Well, we'll put a uh, little bookmark in that one. Keep. Th- I'm, I'm keen to hear how it goes. I think they're waiting, they said, yeah. till, um after like 2020. 20, Two or twenty twenty three when the like TV rights and when Hawthorne's um, little route out of Tasmania, yeah, I think that finishes then or you know that's when their contracts till. So it'd be after that. So maybe what? Yeah, four years, five years time. Pretty ridiculous. What are the? Uh, right. I, I guess the, the one last thing on it when you were talking when you, when you brought this up at the top about the the opposite of cost of living allowance did you get paid less? Who is going to want to go down to Tassie to live? Like Ben Cunnington. Ben Cunnington, he'd do it. He would He would live in Tassie. Actually, he just, would. I don't he? know. Spitballing here. He's <laughs> you, the kind of player who would live in Tassie. He looks like he might be in the background of your shop right now, to be honest. that's This is the kind <laughs> of... It looks like you're in Ben Cunnington's house. Oh, he was, but he realised I was filming and he just didn't want to be on camera, so he left. He's that camera he show. He's gone out, he's gone out to fell a tree. <laughs> yeah, Tassie. And, and wallop a paddy melon. <laughs> Tassie Timber. Maybe yeah. uh, milk the cows out there. Hopefully, he. last week we had your old man came and brought you a um, mid-podcast latte, which was very kind of him. Hopefully today, ben, ben Cunnington can come in and <clears throat> bring you some fresh milk straight from the teat, Emil. That's, oh, that'd be nice. Bit of cream on top. Oops. Thank you, Ben. Thanks, Ben. He always knows how to, how to prepare. Treats a man right. Yeah. I think there'll be players who want to live in Tassie. There will um, be. 
I think they will. Country Pe- kids. Like, not everyone loves living in Melbourne. And, and, you know, you see some players escaping to out of the, wanting to get out of the bubble. Mm. We also don't really have any small market teams in that way. I mean, obviously, there are, there are teams that have smaller supporter bases, but none that live outside of a major, uh, a major city. Um, so, I mean, well, sorry. Um, I guess there are the Adelaide teams, but sorry, just a, <laughs> a drive-by, boom, 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 boom. Um, no, there are. I mean, they're all they're all in major metro bases, and so we don't know. But we don't know. We don't know. That's the key. You're right. We actually don't know. It's the unknown. Much like Tassie, those timbers, mm. a lot of unknown there. My, I, I guess when you said outside of the uh, bubble, my head in a stupid way was looking for jokes and went for Barn Bugle, which is a golf course. <laughs> And it's a long stretch. It's a long bow or a long... Love it. Long, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a long drive. A long drive. <laughs> yeah. um, but, you know, the, the players love golf. Tassie's got some prime that's, golf courses. That's true. Hawthorne pretty much that's all true. went down there in, the, in their buy to go play at Barn Bugle and Lost Farm. You know, maybe it's like the... It's the Apple Isle. It's the, the home of the devils. You go down there, play a bit of golf. There's good surf down there. That's true. Uh, you get yeah. paid less, of course. <laughs> well, naturally. And it's colder. The Tassie, Tassie apples, maybe? No, no good. Yeah, the apples. There's something Tassie with apples. Orchards. In there. The orchards. Mm. Cut them down. The ciders. Oh, yep. Tassie ciders. It's not too bad. Yeah. Ciders. Get a sponsor by Mercury. That's yeah, the key. yeah, yeah. Can ciders. Mm. Uh, you're off. <laughs> Up those frothies. <laughs> too sweet. Um. <laughs> I want a dry cider. <laughs> <laughs> oh, when it's wet weather footy. No, mm. not our ciders. Oh, well. So, Emil, may I, s- yes. may I say in this next little segment? Sweet music. My question, Bart, yes. is will we ever lose again? I don't think so. After, I don't after think so. that, and now that you've got that, Winning coach, in winning interim yeah. coach feeling. Um, I feel like you will play like that every week, and that's that was a dark time in history, but it's all done. It's all done now. Yep. Ugh, I don't, I don't see how with this team we could ever lose again. Uh, they're all coming together. It's all it's, clicking. It's clearly just a Bolton. Bolton was holding him back, mate. That yeah. was, that was. We would have won three by now if it wasn't for Brendan. Absolutely, Brendan. Put a bolt, oh. bolt on the door, <laughs> Brendan. Lock him in. Lock him in position. Get him out of here. Yeah. Throw the bolt away. Uh, <laughs> all you need is Paddy Cripps to play one of the great games of all time every week. Just that. No, no, no. Not a big deal. Not a big deal. It'll be fine. That was insane, man. I, I, I oh, cried man. literal tears of relief. I was, yep. throughout that fourth quarter, like having come from 37 points down. Massive. That, that fourth quarter, I just... I just I don't know. The emotion had built up to such a degree, and I, I, I think I'd been sadder than I'd let myself uh, feel and realize and and uh, acknowledge uh, when they fired Brendan Bolton. Not necessarily for his sake, and although I did feel bad about that, more because it was like, oh, I thought we'd hit rock bottom bottom ages ago. You know, (laughs) I thought we'd bottomed out a long time ago, but no, it was the bottom. That was the bottom. There's more to go. Um, Oh gosh! Right. There was more bluestone under that the the other <coughs> aforementioned bluestone that was higher above. God it, damn! But you know what David Teague did? He mined a little bit of that bluestone, found there was a little bit more underneath, and he started to bring it you to the what? top. 
and sell it. He did. For money. Ooh. And we all love found money. A, you found a couple of nuggets of gold in there he as well. He sure did. A couple of nuggets of gold sure and some did. blue stone. Anybody looking to buy? Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. he, he, he did well. Um, it was a great game, man. So were you, you went to the game? I didn't. I was um, up until 5 a.m. that, that oh, morning that's right. on working on some music for another project. Uh, so I, I didn't. I watched it, um, which, you know, uh, luckily I, wa- I was watching it on my iPad, which is, um, I'm glad I wasn't watching it on my TV. So I watched the replay on my TV because, you know, you got to take what the wins you get. Yeah. And, gee, the, I couldn't see a fucking thing with the roof open the way it was. The glare was horrible. Oh, it's dumb, um, isn't it? Just close it. It's so dumb. Yeah. I like being at the ground with the roof open to a degree because it does feel like there's a bit more atmosphere. The roof being closed can make it feel dead at times. But, yeah. gee, it, it just makes it a really difficult game to watch. You can see the players on that um, that end of the ground, or is it a locket end, um, just squinting the whole the whole day as soon as they have to change position. They're looking to the sun as soon as the ball goes in the air, which sometimes happens in AFL. It sometimes does. And it's hard to take the ball at the highest point... It when is. there's a sun in your eye, which I love, oh, by the way. Do I take the sun? Geez, that's a funny, <laughs> uh, a funny one. The uh, highest point, take the ball at yeah. the highest point. It's like, oh, he takes it there. It's like, well, he doesn't at all. No, take it at the highest. The ball point. went way higher went than that. A lot that higher. This is one of the what? lowest points. It's nearly back yeah. down to the ground. This is a couple of meters above the ground. You know, he kicked it about. 30 metres in the air. Mm. No? Okay. That cool. would be the highest point. I don't know what they're, what, they're, what logic they're using. Upside down world. A- AFL logic, mate. Yeah, that's right. Footy logic. Throw a chaos yeah. ball, mark it at the highest point, And then next mm-hmm. next thing, she's a foot race. Um, yeah. Sell some foot candy. <laughs> Delicious. Yeah, dude, it was, um, that game was awesome. I was, uh, I w- we watched it up here with a few, few friends um, just on the TV. And tuned in, I think tuned in maybe at like quarter time or something. So tuned in when it was like... Good time to tune in. You were getting pumped. And one of my mates was like, oh, let's, let's, let's switch over or, you know, whatever. And I was like, no, nah, I just want to see, just want to see a little bit. Just because I hadn't watched anything. I was like, just see what they're showing. And then I think it was right, it was probably two minutes later, you kicked your first goal. And then you kicked it oh, up. That, then, that then Jack Silvani three-peat effort to get it to Gibbons. Yeah, that was, great. that was awesome. He was desperate, wasn't mm. he? He was... Yeah. He showed a lot. That was awesome. He, he's our best pressure forward. Which is so strange, isn't it? He's like this big yeah. lumbering. He's like a Labrador. He's, yeah. he's, he's <laughs> like a he's like a, a big puppy. He's just growing into All his, limbs and exuberance. Yeah, he's really growing into his paws. <laughs> but he's yeah, he, he was he was great though. Oh mate, it was it was a cracking game. I, I really and you could see it was perfect, wasn't it? Every time it went near Paddy Cripps, you were like, "Look out, here he is!" He was just a monster. Mm-hmm. And even that last possession yeah. he got, you know, we were we were all willing him to get the ball again to have another crack on goal, just just to get Same. get more of the ball, just to have it have a real all time game, um, which it already was. And and that last passage when the ball bounced to someone to Brisbane and. And Cripps is nearby, and it's like, oh, here he comes. And he just tackled him, just like, bang. And he could see he just, like, <laughs> smashed him. Absolutely smashed yeah. him. And old mate, whoever it was, would have just been so winded or hurt that didn't move, <sighs> didn't make an attempt, no. of course. And then it's like, oh, my God, he's even he didn't even have the ball, and he just grabbed someone so hard that now he gets the ball. Um, right to the end of the game. Right on. And then he gets it, mm-hmm. and he's lining up for a shot after the siren and then just seeing his sweet sweet relief on his oh. face that'd be enough to to um to bring you to tears that 
That's that. Oh, was, that was awesome. That was so awesome. And seeing him all get around him, and he was just like, just elated. You could see the child. Mm. I saw. I saw such a child in in him in his eyes. Just like you poor fucking boy. <laughs> like yeah, man. That is this is so hard. I can only imagine what this pressure has been like. That's right. And you know, like young captain, he must have felt huge amounts of that um, that pressure when it came to when they weren't performing, and and then the inferred pressure that was on Bolton, he must have felt responsible for that in some ways. You can see by the way he was playing, you know, mm. he was really riding every, the team's every high and low and all the bumps and taking it respons- taking responsibility for it. And that was the thing David Teague said after the game is that, you know, as I'm sure you're aware, that he, he just gave Cripps the challenge to play his best individual game mm. that he could. And turned out he played one of the best this century, really. Yeah. Like, Unbelievable. It was unreal. Yeah. Four second half goals unreal. and what, 36 or 38 touches? 38 touches. Uh, yeah. Oh. Eight clearances. Yeah. Oh, Unbelievable. Man, huge. And Walsh. Walsh, 32 touches of the footy. The week where Kane Corns had called, said Carlton had been had made a mistake by taking him because it was a safe option. What? Who would, not a game winner. Who is going to pick? Like, what, dude. Isaac Rankin, who's just injured? Like, who... Who would you? He said Connor Rosie. Oh, Connor Rosie at one? No, mm. no, no, no. Plus, I've got something to say for the to the bleached headline. Sam Walsh is not a match winner. You take away his thirty-two touches and his what was it, six or seven clearances and ten or twelve tackles or whatever it was. You don't, we don't win. You that don't game. win the match. Yeah, yeah. Mm-mm. You don't win. We would take his inside fifty kicking, mm. where he was, I think, the most efficient player on the ground. We don't win that game. No. What? How else do you define game winner? Yeah. What do you do? Does he mean you know back to Isaac Rankin again? Does he mean taking him or Rosie and they get eight touches but kick two goals and one of them's pretty clutch? Right. Like is that sure. is that it? And he, and he and he he's, I, he gets the match winner moment. But yeah. but I'd argue like you just said, all of that work through the game and you don't win. It's not a single moment. Yep. It's a the sum of all parts. And you, you, man, you put Connor Rosie or Isaac Rankin in a team like ours at the moment. They're not doing anything. No, right. they're not. not they, they might, they might get a couple of touches, but the ball going near them will not be on their terms. They'll be matched up badly. They'll, uh, they'll have to scrap for every single possession, and they won't have players who are in good positions to to help them or dish it out to a lot of the time because we've not been well structured. So, shut up, Kane. Yeah, he just has a hot take, doesn't he? And sometimes it's a hot. Take as a shit. Often it's a oh, take yeah. a shit. Yeah, it's big steaming pile of corns. <laughs> Got some corn kernels deep in that <laughs> yeah. shit. Um, yeah, nah, screw him. Sam Walsh is awesome, and he's mm. like exactly what you need in there. He's your second best mid. He's one of your, he's one of your best to, players. He's likely to be in our top three best and fairest at the end of the year, which is just amazing. No player has done. I, I don't think of any. I don't think any player has done what he's done in terms of his consistency um, and being able to. Being able to roll right into the middle of the ground, and the first twelve games to have racked up over twenty-four touches in each one of them, like that's that's insane, man. Yeah, it's a huge effort, and it's awesome as well that you can that you've you got the number one pick right by all accounts, you know. And it doesn't happen very often, you know. And it was a really hard year to get it right. <laughs> um, yeah. But no, the you know, we we our last one isn't looking good. You know, Paddy's not looking good, mind you. That whole draft, that's like 
Petrarca, McCartan, Angus Brayshaw are the top three. It doesn't int- best out of that is Dugowie at, at the moment. Yeah, eh? Dugowie at five yeah. easily is the yeah. one you'd be taking right now at one. Who's yeah. an absolute jet? Jeez, he's good. Did you see him on the oh, weekend? Yeah. Oh man, I did. Every time it goes he's near him, you're just like, oh crap. He just yeah. he just wins one. He can't be beaten one on one, and then he manages to. You know, make a goal out of nothing. Like that soccer goal where he was just like shepherding. Oh, where he just held him off with strength? He's another... That Hibbert is a, is a full-grown man who trains every whatever it is, every second day, and plays professional football, a contact sport. And he would be very strong and willing to take it up to Dugowie. And you can just get pushed off the ball by another dude. Yep. Like, to just get one hand. Like, how strong is this guy? And it's not like it's not like it was a matchup that was a surprise. Like they would have worked that match out matchup out mm. because they would have thought that he was their best best foil for Dugowie and still just shoves him out the side, slots the goal. Man, he, he must be he must be the toughest matchup in, in forward in, in the forward line of any forward line really. I would have I don't know. Like I can't think of One someone out. else who would be harder. Well it's like Dusty comes to mind, but but it's uh, as the commentators like to say, the 2017 Dusty um, yeah. is very good one out as well. And so, and then there's a couple others who are no not right up there, but you know, like Robbie Gray, you don't want to be one out with in the goal square. Um, tell you what, get- no, but I mean, as a, as an overall matchup, I oh, think yeah. he's a he's a really tough one. Oh. Um, not only for his one on one ability, but he's also his his leading his patterns are great. Um, his running capacity is really good. He's got really good burst speed. He can take a high mark. I think I know what you're about to say, Bart, and I think I concur <laughs> on that <laughs> on that count. Dan Hanbury. <laughs> That's right, yeah. Dan Hanbury. Yeah. Toughest matchup in AFL. Tough matchup. Sorry, VFL. Tough. Toughest matchup in VFL. You don't want to see Dan Hanbury versus a bag of cocaine. You know who's going to win. <laughs> <laughs> He gets white line fever. Oh, yeah, he certainly does. And cross that mm-hmm. line. Um, yeah, your boy Gary Rowan. That's who I was going to say. He's, and he's quite tough, isn't he? He's a pretty hard... He's one of those ones. He's You don't oh. you don't really want to be... He's a hard matchup. He's, he plays quite tall and he's really fast and he can take a good grab. Good overhead. Good overhead. Yeah, good with his body. And I didn't know this, that you'd, what you'd said on the Ruck Rover podcast was that, that he'd clocked the fastest individual time thus far in the in the season. That's amazing. Isn't it? Given his injuries and his age yep. and stuff. He's still the quickest player. Well, he's, yeah, he's clocked the quickest time this year. And there's a lot of quick players here this year. There's, you know, Petrocelli and Saad and some of those mm. halfback uh, flankers who are super pacey. And it's still your boy, oh, yeah. your boy Gary Rowan. He's the fastest one out there. Um, yeah, he's solid. Um Anyway, Emilio. Right. Well done to the Blues. Anything else? Oh, Sydney. Sydney, man. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. That was... Did you catch any of that game? Yeah, I caught a little bit. Yep, I was... So the bookies downgraded... They changed the odds, like, the morning of the game. Yeah. Um, And we had a little message about it. What did they know that we didn't? I I don't know. Yeah, Emilio and I were messaging through the morning and then while the game was going on because Sydney became the favourites. And then... And then right just before the uh, the bounce, it, it changed back to West Coast. The money was back with West Coast. The so people had obviously right. seen it and they were like, whoa, West are Coast are favourites. What the hell? But what mm. the hell did they all know that we didn't? I don't know. How the fuck did how, Sydney beat West Coast? How can you predict a five-goal Buddy Franklin game? And I they called know. it. A few people did. I think even Damien Barrett or someone's like, if someone's due yeah. for a big bag and we know it's coming, it's Bud. He's going to kick five yeah. or six. It was like, what the hell? How do we all know this? 
It's like it's your job right. or something to know this. <laughs> yeah. All right. So how do we not know this? How Us amateurs making a podcast yeah. in our bloody basements. Yeah, yeah how do we not know understand this? We that? watch a lot of football. We read the news. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We watch in the... a bye week when there are less games on. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> oh, they knew something we didn't know because I did not think they were going to win that. I knew there was a sniff, no. but, but that sniff is a sniff from the past, paying respect to Sydney of a few years ago, or, you know, the last yeah. 10 or so years of Sydney, really. And it's knowing that mm. those those teams can do that. But not this team. The Inns were like, Robottom, Fox, old mate from down the road. Like, it was it, <laughs> it was not a star-studded lineup. Their Inns weren't very good Well, given at that all. you live in Sydney now, the likelihood it is was someone who lives down the road it from you. It probably yeah. was. Uh, more like, but the outs, the outs of the Eagles were pretty significant. Yo and Hearn, of course, they like big. they're two of their probably three most important players. But can't Kennedy and Darling and like Gaff do the job, and then all of the, and Shuey and all of these other great well, players? I guess it McGovern. exposes McGovern's game when yeah. um, when Hearn's out and a couple of their more experienced backs are out, doesn't it? He's um, he's so reliant on being able to roll off and and not be accountable for her player because he just marks the ball and knows where the ball's coming. Whereas I guess with a couple of those experienced heads out, not covering for him, he's a bit more all at sea. I guess so. Cause he, he, um, his game wasn't as good and they highlighted it. Didn't they post game where he was a few times. He, he let his man, he was just zoning way too hard. And it was like, his yep. man just got off the lead and just took like an uncontested mark inside 50. It's like, Oh, that's not very good. Is it? Um, no. I guess so, man. I guess those outs, Shannon Hearn, he's, They've said it for a long time. He's so underrated that he's nearly overrated now. Um, <laughs> yes. That, um, yep. But they've talked about it a lot. And so I guess, you know, he goes out, their captain and their main man in defense, and they, their defense doesn't look as good. No. And they lose. No. And can they Sydney, lose. I put it to you now, what do you reckon Sydney will do? Can they make... Yeah, this is they, my question. What's their ceiling? Can they do this again? Uh, is yep, it stupid that they're, we've... They're two games out of the eight. This season they can. Oh, that is just... Ridiculous. I, I would still say, if I had to say it now, and I do, because this is our job, of course, this podcast, um, I'd say that they're not going to make the eight still. I reckon they'll they'll go in that ninth to 13th, 12th spot. Yeah, man. I um, I also think they're going to miss the eight, but I I, I have I've got a little feeling in, in my old gut there. And um, two games outside of the eight is, at this point in the season is not enough if they hit some form. Given given the quality of their best players, like they they could do it. This season's even. We've all said it. It's a bloody even season, isn't it? Oh, that's right. Oh, oh yeah. I have a little theory as well. I'd like to run past you. Please do. On 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 this point, um, I think given the profile of Premiership teams over the past three years or so, um, the team the well really since the Bulldogs um, and before, but that's the clearest example that I want to draw a comparison to. The team that has hit form at the right time and gained momentum at the right time has been the team that won it. You saw it in 16 with the Bulldogs. You saw it in 17 with the Tigers. Um, you even saw it last year with the Eagles. They hit their straps at the right time. They timed their runs beautifully. I think that over the past few years, uh, that has been a big focus amongst clubs. And I think that this year we're seeing a little bit of a tipping point where clubs have prepared, clubs who are thinking they're going to play finals, or maybe all clubs, have prepared so 
strongly for the back half of the year. Mm. They've been caught short in the first half of the year. And this first half of the season might not be the best indication of who's good. You look at Sydney, they've, they've completely underperformed this first half of the season, but now they're hitting some form. I wouldn't be surprised if that was a bit of a planned strategy. You'd be mad if you were... Uh, fitness boss not to plan for that given that's how teams win premierships I think it's the same for North Melbourne mm. and to a small lesser extent I think it's probably the same for the Blues I don't think we I don't think we would have gone in looking to win um, lots of to lose lots of games in the early part of the season obviously that was not part of the plan but to peak physically towards the latter end of the season I think that's absolutely there's an argument that, that was the plan and the fact that there have been so many losses for those three teams that I'm referring to, I think is maybe to do with that. They just weren't quite as prepped for the early part of the season and, and were more focused on having a run later. That's a that's, that's such a good point. And it would make sense that teams like your... I guess the better teams have the, um, the privilege of being able to do that you know, not be at their best physically or their best team and still be able to notch, notch up those wins, much like the Eagles, a team like the Eagles, where everyone's like, they're not really going that well, but they're still churning along. And when they were talking about, are the Eagles, is there a hangover? They were about six and three or seven and three. So they're, you know, yep. getting that together. I, th- I, th- I think there's a lot of merit in that, you know, mind you, mind you Geelong. Geez, I'm scared then for what Geelong will be like at the end of uh, the season. If it- yeah, see, I, I don't... I'm I'm a bit I'm off Geelong. You think at the they're moment. beatable? You think it's a yeah? Uh, I think they're the best team in the comp at this point. Mm. But I don't know. When's the last year where a team that dominated the entire season won the flag? Oh, I guess um, the Hawthorne years. I suppose it'd be Hawthorne era, wouldn't it? Yeah, it, yeah. But even they weren't. Some of those always years they weren't in their rid- premiership years. No, right? they weren't ridiculously dominant. And then you go back even further. Collingwood were pretty dominant in 2011. Oh, no, 2010. They won. Yeah. 2011. I can't remember. Geelong won, but I don't remember how dominant they were. 2009, St Kilda were very dominant. We lost two games to the year. Didn't win. Yeah. Good point. I have a feeling that Collingwood were more dominant in 2011 than they were in 2010. Yeah, right. I think you're right. Oh, they were. They were. They were indeed. They might have only won two games. That was their whole premiership hangover year where apparently too many people Mm. were having too much fun. But they still were getting it done. Uh, yeah. Yep. Hanging out with Dan Hanbury. Um, yeah. <sighs> I love it, Neil. I reckon there's a lot to that because it's, it's, you're so right. That's how you win. You've got to get that momentum, time it right. And maybe, maybe those, as you said, those blues could be part of that plan. And those mighty saints, mate. I'll tell you what, in the next two or three weeks, we hopefully will be getting uh, back a lot of players Jake Carlisle. Well, there there are, aren't there? There's a there's a, a bunch heap. coming back. This is this is their time when like a, you know well Carlisle, Hanbury, and then there's you know Max King's available now. Not that he's you know he's a young player. That's not going to change everything. But particularly just having Carlisle, Hanbury, and then Jimmy Webster. Who's massive yep. loss for us. He's a really underrated player for us. He's our oh, he's yeah. our quarterback who he's the guy who can pull off kicks that. Uh, team can't really do at the moment and they know him yeah. they know that if Jimmy Webster's running, good organizer too very good organizer he'll take that kick from he's running from the back 50 running slightly towards like the boundary side he'll and most people like they're going to go long down the line he'll pull that kick and make he'll find a gap and put players in this he'll cut into the corridor and make someone run to it if they know him and then it's like wow that opened up everything and we are in a really attacking position but we're missing him 
and he's going to kind of come back this weekend as well, maybe through the VFL. But maybe we've got the easiest 11 uh, back end out of any team. Champion data says yeah, Saints, cool. Saints got the easiest. We've had our hard run. Five and six, yep. getting players back. Just part of the plan, Millie. All part of the plan. It's all coming together. <laughs> Given the injuries they've had, this is crazy that they're... Um, to be at the point where the Saints are at now yeah. and with the injuries, with the players coming back, that's a great result. It's massive been, result. It has been a good... From a four-win season. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm happy with it. I'm keen to get back into it this weekend and see how we go. Yeah. And speaking of this weekend, uh, shall we move... Yeah, let's, let's get on to the tips. move on to our tips? We're going to do... We've got to keep our eye on the time. Hey, you got to go in like yes. 20 minutes or something. Thereabouts, yeah. Well, yeah, do you yeah. want to... All right. Let's t- smash through these. Let's... let's yeah, you, let's you do gotta, it. you got to work. You want... We, well, you got to go and... Tonight's... Yeah. Yeah, I do. I've got some dark mofo to prepare for. Um, tonight's game over in Adelaide, um, it's it's the Crows, the resurgent Crows versus the depleted Tigers mm. without Cochin and speaking of underrated players, so underrated they're basically rated, Shane Edwards. Oh, I think I he's he's yeah. almost one of their most... At the moment, especially, he's one of, he's one of their couple of most important players. He's a massive out. So I got I got I got caught mid water drink mid, mid water drink hmm um but yeah he's he's awesome isn't he he's such a star and I didn't yeah. I think he's a bigger out than Koch at the moment actually I think so is he did he do his hamstring is that what it was he's something yep okay well oh, in, hamstring yeah hamstring tendonitis yep in saying all of this and the crows I'm not liking this resurgent crows even though they're my tip for the flag. I'm kind of, I'm a bit, they piss me off. I don't know. So I they think piss te- me off. Texas too. face. I just, I'm, I don't like Tex. <laughs> nah. I don't like him. <laughs> he annoys the shit out of me. It's to calm down. Yeah. Um, I'd, I'd be, in, I'd, I'd begrudgingly kind of have him if uh, on a team. Like if he was, if he, if he played for my team, if I went for Adelaide, mm. I kind of, he'd be one of those players. I was like, yeah, okay. But then whenever I'd be quick to jump against him if uh, things weren't going right. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And each way it's kind me. of supporter. <laughs> it's me. <laughs> um, well, in saying all of this, I'm going to tip the fucking Tigers. Because, yeah, I think it's stupid to tip, but this world's crazy. So no one knows anything. Um, I think that um, they got a couple of good... <laughs> They got a couple of good uh, good ins with like Broad and um, Broad. I think Broad's yeah. a good in for their backline because they're just like they've had such a decimated backline. Anyway, none of this matters. Manager's back as well, which is oh, okay. Kind of manager, yeah. Give it a crack. Mm. Um, I think He's that right. I just think that they play really well over in Adelaide, the Tigers and the Crows have had a really big win. I'm hoping for some regression to the norm. Don't rate the Crows that much. Hope that the Tigers can do it with their youthful team. I'm going to tip them. Yeah. I like it. I hope you're right, but I'm going to tip Adelaide. I think that they're going to get it done. And Riley O'Brien, he's been a big... I reckon yeah. um, if, if if any club's looking for a second Ruckman, you should be working hard to get Sam Jacobs over to your club. Yeah, Source is up for grabs. Oh, yeah. And he's he's still got a couple of really good years in him, I reckon. He does. And we, well, we've been... St. Kilda have been looking for um, Todd Goldstein. We're looking around for a seasoned yeah. veteran um, Ruckman. So we could... Put, throw a hat in the ring for some sauce, and that would also <clears throat> be very nice with our new recruit Jack Mayo, because we got a little sauce and we got a little mayo, and then you got it yourself a sandwich. Oh, mate, I'd relish that. <laughs> get out, get out, <laughs> <laughs> uh, get the fuck out. Oh man. Uh, yeah. Very all right. Nice. You're Richmond. I'm Adelaide. Very good. Here we go. Um, 
Essendon, Hawthorne, similar on the ladder. They've won only one point apart, and it's only on percentage. Essendon have only beaten them in f- once in five years. Um, part of me thinks that stress coach equals stress team, and, and um, Johnny Worsfold looks stressed at the moment. Yeah. Um, but Essendon have some big ins. Yeah, Stringer, Shield, and yep. one other player, I feel. Uh, yeah, Orazio Fantasia. Very big ends. They're massive ends. Massive um, ends, man. But I'm going to tip the Hawks because, you know, you tip against them if you dare, and mm. I don't dare, um, unless, of course, it's a dare iced coffee, proudly sponsoring <laughs> the St. Kilda Saints. Um, I, I'm, I'm going to get around the Hawks. I think Essendon are a really good team, but I can't trust them. They have, if they start winning these and they have a good back end of the year, then look out. For that, for yep. that finals peak, they could be one of those teams. They they ha- often have been in history, but right now I'm going to I'm going to tip the Hawks. I think their coach. If this is were at the good. G, I'd be with you on that and tip the Hawks too. But because it's at Marvel, I'm I'm back in Essendon. I think they can do it with these ins. Awesome, two for Shield two. and Fantasia. Yeah, yeah, Fantasia. Two Fantasia. For- now Townsville, the oh, Townsville yes. home of football. Home mm-hmm. of football. Um, St Kilda versus G versus the Gold Coast, who have kind of fallen off the cliff. They, um, they, what is it? Seven losses in a row, something like that. Eight now. No good. Mm. Eight now. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, Need the buy. Yeah. Don't it's. A, I I got to I got to back I got to back your boys here, and I'm going to go with the Saints. I don't think that the conditions will help either team really. I think it's going to be kind of that's going to be a bit of a nil all draw because Townsville. I mean, yes. All right. Gold Coast is in Queensland, but it's it's dip, Townsville's a different fucking story than the Gold Coast. Yeah, it's not the same. It's a long way up from the Gold Coast. Mm. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's not, it's not really a home ground advantage. It'll, it's on neutral kind of territory. It's a bit warm for us, maybe, but we've played in warm conditions. We're fine. Yep. I think yep. Saints just should, played in bloody Shanghai. Yeah, we're used to it now. I think St Kilda should win. We're a bit unpredictable, but last week was our against Port was our worst game. That was bad, and we're getting you yep. know we've had the buy. We can reset. We have a couple of players back. Are they healthy? We should win this game. If it were any kind of team yep. that wants to have a crack this year, or it would be tough this year. But if we're any team, we should win this. Um, I agree. So the same is for me. Yep. Next game is over in WA. It's uh, the Frio Dockers and Port Adelaide. Who have had last? They won the last game they played in uh, at Optus Stadium against the Eagles. Beat the Eagles, yeah. Um, which is why the Dockers are going to win this time because it's hard to win over there, and they that. You know, just because they've done it once doesn't mean they'll do it again. I'm gonna go. I'm going one different this summer as, as well. Oh! I'm going port. I'm, and up the port. And uh, it's Hudson Park is gonna kill me for it because they always let you down. Say. So let's. I can't wait till next week when I'm going. Why the hell don't I listen to myself? And why do I keep tipping port? But, why um, do I have these rules if I if I just break them? Yeah, stupid. Stick to the rule. Stick to the. Maybe it's the know. iced coffee solidarity, my friend. Maybe it's the fact that you just got a shellacking from port and you've just played them into form. That's true. Yeah, now uh, you think they can do it, but the Dockers, man, they just took down the Pies at the G. Like, I know they got know. some injuries. I know, but still, could have Hardy, uh, Harley Bennell could make his uh, long-awaited return to football, which would be really yep. cool. Well, how about this? I have a little uh, contingent here. With if um, if uh, Harley Bennell's back, I'm tipping the Dockers. Love it. <laughs> I don't know if Love I can it. do that, but He's I am. He's that big. He's that big and in. 
I was looking at the players who had games like uh, comparable to Paddy Cripps on the weekend, and there's like a handful. Uh, Gary Ablett had two of them. This is since 2000. Gary Ablett had two of them. Um, Juddy had one. Harley Bunnell also had one, uh, oh. like a 35-plus and four-goal game. Did he really? Wow. Yeah, yeah. Michael Walters actually had one of those as well. He had mm. about he had a 30-something touches, a six-goal game against the Saints maybe Oof. two years ago. He's very good. He is very good. He's good. We know that. Mm-hmm. Uh, next game um, at Marble, Saturday evening, Carlton take on the Bulldogs uh, for the third time in 14 rounds. Oh, wow. Did you play him like round 23 or round 22 last year or something? Yeah, we played that last year. How'd you go? They would have won, right? They yeah, won. they definitely yeah. won. Um, but you won this year by 40-something points and you're... And that we're still still riding high on the Reese Shaw effect. Yeah. Oh, the David Teague effect. The David Teague effect. Thank you. Both very sim- similar effects, I might add. Um, and, and with that, merely, I'm going with those blues, baby. You got go, yeah. to get around them. David Teague, I everyone's favourite coach. Also sounds like a clothing line. David Teague. Does, isn't it? David Quite Teague fashionable. Yeah. For mm. real men. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the Blue Stone lineup. Yeah. Oh, there we go. Mm. <laughs> oh, I want to. Yeah, I got to back the Blues too, mm. for obvious reasons. I've just got to. We just got that winning feeling. Let's not dissipate so yeah. soon. No, we got to back her up. Absolutely, we got to put our positive energy out there as well. Our voodoo podcast shit. So let's get around yeah. those Blues, the Blue Stone. Yeah, I'm going for Mark too, Murphy. Man. Might be back for us as well, which is you know not huge, but it's it's reasonably good leadership um, size. Le- that's Say good. that again. Leadership side of things, big in. Yeah, and another de- decent kick around. Uh, another decent kick on field kick, so that'll help. Um, all right, both in lockstep for that one. North versus the Giants on Sunday down at Blundstone in Hobart. Mm. Oh, I might, I might see if I can sneak away from my family gathering to uh, to to watch this game, or maybe even go to this game. We'll see. Yeah. Anyway, um, this is a big, this is a hard one to tip. I think. I mean, if it hadn't been for Sean Higgins going down last week, I think I might have been very tempted to tip North, but I think that the Giants will bounce back. Um, even though it'll be tough at in Hobart because we know North play well there, I, I think GWS will get it done. Yeah, the two things that. Uh, <clears throat> the do it for me is Sean Higgins out, Toby Green in. Mm, and there's your game. There's your game right there. They're good down in Blunston, yep. though, down in Hobart, those ruse. But um, the Giants are, are better. They are. They're a damn good team, those Giants. They are. Uh, I heard a little, do you reckon, I heard a little whisper that, um, well, it's just on an article, that they reckon Cornelio is a bit more likely to re sign than not at the Giants. Well, there was a lot of talk for a little while about him maybe, maybe leaving, or you know, uh, or just a bit, a few more bubbles around from people and the talk that, you know, he was having chats. But that's that seemed to die down a little bit, and it feels like maybe uh-huh. he's going to stay. I don't know. I have to ask our boy Alex Williams, GWS the man, the ambassador. Mm. I have to talk to the ambassador and uh, see if he's got any hot takes because if there's ever a man to get a hot take from the Giants, it's that guy. Oh yeah. He's got a, he's got well, a mole. You'll you'll have to come back with some mail for us next week, buddy. We'll do on the on the Cornelio question. Cornelio question. It's a, it's a great mm. show. <laughs> the Cornelio question. Yeah. Now well, he answers all your questions. All right. Bit of history. Bit of history. Yeah. Bit of history. All right. <clears throat> start with a quote. My favorite way to the start. The men and boys 
Say again. <laughs> As I talk over the quote, I said my favorite <laughs> my favorite way to start a story, and then I <laughs> talked over the fucking quote. So that's how's my favorite that? way to start a story too in adversity. There we go. The perfect story. Yeah. The perfect story doesn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> the men and boys joyfully assemble when this game is played. One makes a ball of possum skin, somewhat elastic, but firm and strong. The players of this game do not throw the ball as white man may do, but drop it and at the same time kick it with their foot. The tallest men have the best chances in the game. Some of them will leap as high as five feet from the ground and catch the ball. The person who secures it kicks it. This continues for hours and the natives never seem to tire of the exercise. That is what Richard Thomas, protector of Aborigines, so-called, protector of Aborigines of Victoria in 1851, wrote of a game he was an eyewitness to. The game was Mangrook. It's been known as various other names in different areas of Australia, but in this iteration, Mangrook. A traditional Aboriginal ball game played for millennia in what is now Western Victoria. In the early 1980s, an academic historian and social worker by the name of Jim Poulter drew comparisons between Aussie rules football and Mangrook, and most especially the connection with uh, the connection of Tom Wills, who you may remember from the uh, oh, formation the, of the Melbourne Forty, the Club Melbourne and, guy, and writing of the rules. Yep. Yeah. Tom Wills, who, who is regarded as the founder of Australian rules, plagiarizing to Indigenous Australia, plagiarizing dog Tom Wills. Hmm. This point has divided opinion across the footy-loving public as to Mangrook's contribution to the game for since it's been talked about. Hmm. It is a matter of proud tradition that in 1858, over three weekends, on the 7th, 21st, uh, sorry, on the 7th and 21st of August and the 4th of September, Scotch College and Melbourne Grammar played a mass game of football at Jollymont Park, the site where the MCG now stands. As a side note, the very first game of footy, well, officially, according to Scotch and Melbourne, mm. was played on the 7th of August in 1858. Now, 7th of August is my birthday, so <gasps> I feel like I was destined to be a footy fan. Oh, my God. <laughs> and not to be a football player, but a footy fan. Oh, yeah. I would have been watching, for sure. And so it Scotch was written. Like no. <laughs> you would have been out there <laughs> cutting timber. Oh, mate. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> out in the bush, playing a bit of man- mungrook. Yeah. Mind you, you, and you said earlier, jumping back, a millennia. They've been playing this game for a long time. Yeah, man, thousands of years. Thousands of years. It's amazing. OG football. Oh, yeah. Thousands of Um, years of the game. I reckon even even the equivalent St Kilda team in the Mungrook League would be struggling for premierships. They might have a couple in that thousand years, maybe. Oh, mate. Well, wait to wait to hear they how they decided the, the winners of games. It was it was a different method. Oh, I love it. St Kilda might have been in with a chance. Oh, there oh, we mate. go. Maybe this is the game for us. Maybe revert, revert, revert to the back to Mungrook. Uh, yes, yeah. please take it back. Throwback round. Yeah. Um, all right, barely twenty three at the time of the Scotch Melbourne Grammar Games. Wills was a commanding character and Victoria's first sporting icon. Born on the nineteenth of August in eighteen thirty five. He and his family settled in Victoria's Western District in 1840. They were like, at the time, I think, the, one of the first, this is like pioneering frontier area. The Aboriginal tribal life in the district was still very much alive. Um, he was one of the only, if not the only, white kids in the region. Oh, wow. 
Yeah. Um, Will spent the rest of his childhood in the Western District and became inured in tribal ways. He learnt the local indigenous language and, he, and his demonstration of Aboriginal songs and dances were so skilled that he was applauded by the local tribes people and their elders. That is so cool. That's amazing. It was obvious he was closely familiar with tribal culture and practices of the era, area, which is near the Grampians in the land of the Gunitjamara people. At the age of 14, early in 1850, Tom Wills was sent to rugby school in England to complete his education. He wasn't why, the greatest why, academic... Why did, why, did, why did all the indigenous kids not get sent to rugby school in, uh, in the UK? Um, I think that... They decided that the schooling was... Rugby's too dangerous, mate. Ah, oh, fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, it must have been their builds, their build. That's why. Too, they were oh, too... They're more suited to... Athletic. They were too athletic. That's why. Mangrook. Yeah. Mangrook. They had, had, oh, had Mangrook scholarships already. They couldn't break the contract. Fair enough. That sounds fair. Oh, yeah. Um, he was sent to rugby school in England to complete his education. He wasn't the greatest academic, but over the next seven years, Tom distinguished himself on the sporting field. He not only captained the school football and cricket teams, but he also played county cricket with such flair with both bat and ball that he was under the eye of the England selectors. They were no doubt greatly disappointed to see such a bright young talent return to the colonies in 1856 when he was barely 21 years of age. Well, that's a Jesus, an established young man, isn't he? Much like me, Ooh. this is a this is like the origin story of my sporting uh, junior years. To be honest, well, with you know me. how they say history repeats, but this is why I'm telling you this story. Of it's, course, this is why it sounds yeah. so familiar. That's right, Tom. Tom Wills. Huh? <laughs> what? Huh? Echoes through time. <laughs> now, in the seven years that Tom had been away, life in colonial uh, colonial Australia had changed dramatically. Not only had Victoria become its own colony, achieving self-government in 1851, but by about the same time, tribal life, tribal indigenous life had been basically fully extinguished through the colony. Oh, gosh. Save for the is... arid northwest fringe of the Mallee. Wow, that's swift and horrible. Yep. Seven years. Yep. Jeez. Yeah, hastened by the gold rush especially. Oh, um, of course. Yeah. Traditional but... tribal lands, therefore, virtually no longer existed. If there's Both ever surviving... something... Sorry, if there's ever something that white people will do anything to fuck up, it's like shiny rocks. We love Ooh, yeah. it. Anything we can like dig David up. Teague, digging down to the blue Exactly. Stone, That's why he's the guy for you. He will bring it all to the surface and sell it and make more money and you'll get more wins. But yeah, we're yeah. White, white people, we love that shit. Shiny rocks, like, dig it out of the ground. Yeah. It's not a great trait of ours. Well, I mean, the, 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 the stupid thing was, I mean, at the, I look... Gold, at the time, the only value was that it was shiny and pretty. Mm. Um, didn't even realise the, the uses it had for, say, electronics or computing. Anyway, whatever. Dumbasses. We I knew that. Dumbasses. Uh, yeah. Dumbasses. <laughs> <laughs> All those uses. Um, uh, those surviving the dispossession, dispersal and disease had been herded onto reserves or otherwise lived in poverty in the fringes of white settlement. This, virtually, uh, this virtual extinguishment of tribal life had also been hastened by the gold rush, yep, which began in 1851. Um, by the time Wills returned at the end of 1856, the gold rush had made Melbourne the richest city in the British Empire, and its population had boomed to half a million people, which was about a quarter of the size of London at the time. Wow. 
Jeez, I knew it, I knew it was the richest city in the world at one point, but I didn't know how quick that growth was. And in that time that our boy Wills went away, seven years, all of that changed. Mm. That would have been so drastic coming back to that as well. Yeah, I look. I tried to find figures of Melbourne Melbourne's population pre Gold Rush to post, but I, I didn't have. Uh, I didn't find them in time. But yeah, it must have been pretty spectacular to come back to Melbourne post the Gold Rush and see the difference. You come back and the Insane. Eureka Towers there, MCG has been <laughs> been built. There's people catching yeah. sky buses from the airport. Like, holy <laughs> what shit! What is this world? Right. There's grasslands before this. Jesus. Oh my God. But Victoria still had uh, one barrier to being its own fully-fledged colony. It never beaten the older New South Wales in cricket. Oh, wow. There's that final thing. It's that, cla- it's that age-old uh, rivalry, Sydney-Melbourne. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah you got the lattes and your sky bus, and we got the cricket wins over you. And a train to the airport. And the train to the airport. Also, we got double-decker trains and we can spin our seats and change which direction we're facing. So suck on that, Burke Street. Well, we've got a grid and we don't have to navigate around a harbour, which is beautiful but really inconvenient. Well, we have more cockroaches and ibises up here. So okay. how about that? How, how many AFL teams do you have in Sydney? We've got two. It's all we need. Is it? Is it all you need? Yes. That's all we more. need. No. All right. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> uh, barely a week after stepping off the boat from England, Tom Wills' prowess, prowess as both bowler and batsman was the talk of the colony. He quickly saw that the fitness of local cricketers was the main factor that needed to be rectified if they were to beat New South Wales. So he suggested that the cricketers should be active in winter by playing football or shooting or something similar. But the football should be a game of our own. So, on July the 10th of 1858, he wrote a letter calling for the establishment of football clubs. A number of trial games, such as the first one between Scotch and Melbourne Grammar, generated great public enthusiasm. So, on the 19th of May, 1859, Tom Wills convened a meeting at Bryant's Hotel, which we've already covered in a previous episode. Mm -hmm. It was here the basic rules of Aussie football were then drafted. After this, Tom Wills... uh, and his associates, especially his cousin Colden Harrison and J.B. Thompson, set about marketing the game to the colonial public. Indeed, this was done so cleverly that within three years it became um, the major spectator attract- attraction in Melbourne and it even spread to other states. Wow, that is so rapid. For, so like 1862 or something. So it's, that's incredible. Straight away, yeah. we took to it like ducks to water, the people of Melbourne. Well, the, it, they marketed it as, the, as a game of their own, a game of our own. Um, and Tom Wills and his compatriots, first of all, appealed, they appealed to the colonial pride and patriotism. They then reinforced this by actively denigrating the game of rugby as a vicious mauling scrum with little skill. That's exactly what it is. Spot on. Wills and his associates condemned the practice of hacking in rugby, which this was a thing that took a really long time to be outlawed. Um, hacking was basically uh, when players deliberately booted the shins of opposing players that they had oh. to retire hurt, oh. not infrequently with a broken leg. Oh my God, you bunch of hacks. That's horrible. <laughs> and rugby hacks. Yeah. Uh, so hacking was outlawed in the first rules of the new game in 1859, and within a month, tripping was also outlawed. This condemnation led by Wills and Thompson was so successful that the public quickly generated a disdain for any form of kicking as un-Australian. Oh, it is, mate. Can't kick anyone in the shins, mate. 
Unless you're uh, Jeremy Howell going out for a big mark. That's right. And you can kick, Stud, you can kick all your like. Studs out. Studs up. No, nope, studs up. Studs down. Get out of here, you hack. <laughs> Um, the Wills Group also opposed the offside rule that prevented free forward movement of the ball, despite some of their Anglophile contemporaries arguing strongly in its favour. The proponents of the offside rule scorned the ease of kicking goals as cheating or sneaking, oh. but the Wills camp turned it into their favour, and the early full forward position was even called goal sneak as a proud different differentiation from the English offside rule. There we go. This sounds like the, a man of Gil McLaughlin's heart. This is... This is- the AFL would have loved Tom Wills. He wants oh, man, high man. scoring, fast games. We want, you know, all the games televised around Melbourne. Pits it against rugby. Um, turns all of the criticism into positives. Clearly so a good marketer. Steals a game from Indigenous people. <laughs> Brilliant <laughs> like businessman. <laughs> um, now, because of... Wills' captaincy of the rugby school team, the easy assumption was made that the Aussie game was derived from the English game, and Tom Wills' cousin, Colton Harrison, actually promoted this myth. At the same time, anything Aboriginal was almost universally denigrated as primitive or uncivilised, so it's easy to see compelling reasons why Wills might have remained, or did remain silent on any connection between the new game and Mangook. Now, for a really long time, people who have argued against the connection, the Indigenous connection have pointed to a lack of evidence evidence of that connection. Now, what they mean is a lack of written record, which when you consider that Indigenous Australia has a largely oral history is completely unfair. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's all storytelling. Like, it's, it's, it's all in storytelling. I'm not writing it all down. Like, any of this, if yeah. old mate lived out there in the, in the, with the tribes in the Western District and saw the game played through his whole upbringing... Sang with them, danced with them, learnt their language. It's pretty... And if he was such a keen sportsman, it's pretty safe to assume that he was playing their game. Yeah, and he would have had an interest in it, absolutely. It wasn't long after that he went away to the UK for seven years just to play more sport. And he was a sporting icon. I'm sure he had an interest in every form of sport, right? I guess the contention has been that they don't know definitively that this game was played in the area. Or they've argued that they don't know definitively the game was played in the area where he was, right. which is not true because there was a personal recollection by uh, a Mukjara white man, Johnny Connolly, um, an eyewitness account of um, playing the game of football, Mangrook, um, which is found in the State Library of Victoria. It's the only account by someone who actually played the game. Huh. Um, and he played in the Grampians region of Western Victoria, precisely where Tom Wills lived. And they know that he worked on stations right around there, including one station where Tom Wills' father at one point owned. So it's pretty... That's pretty clear, pretty sure. right? That's pretty definitive, I reckon. <laughs> it's a similar game. <laughs> yeah. Um, at this, this version of Mangrook as well, it, there were no gender... Uh, like, both men and women played at the same time. Awesome. Um, yeah, and they they had this was, this was the, I think they had positional play way earlier than rugby did in, in in that you were matched with someone on an opposing side based on height and weight and uh, physical attributes. So you weren't playing on someone who was completely outmatched with you. You were playing. This is a good matchup. Was, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, smart. Yeah, um, it's no wonder that Tom Wills chose to remain silent on any alternative origins of the game. Surely it was much better to let the myth persist that was derived from an upper-class English game if this would ensure its support by the more affluent and influential sections of colonial society. 
Wills was equally keen, though, to ensure that the common man had access to the game and his derision of rugby sat well with the general public. His strategies were, as they would today, Still his does. strategies were, yeah. Oh, yeah. holds water. Yeah. Um, his strategies were patently, patently successful on all fronts and the new game was most rapidly adopted into the fabric of colonial life. So quickly it took hold of the public, public's imagination and so good was Tom Wills at the game that twice he was accorded the Brownlow medal-like status of champion of the colony. I think we His should status, uh, definitely bring it back to that name as well. Screw the Brownlow. We want champion, champion of the colony. Of the colony. <laughs> I reckon Paddy Cripps could be the champion of the colony this year. Well, it's the three C's. Cripps, champion, colony. Love it. Oh, I love that. I can't say no. CC. CC. Um, his status at football, cricket, shooting, or whatever he turned, uh, whatever he chose to turn his hand to, truly made him Australia's first sporting icon. Now he had a big involvement with the Mara people in organising the first Indigenous cricket team that toured England in 1868, um, and they included a big proportion of Gunajimara people who were known as the Fighting Gunajimara. This is a bit of a side note, but the Gunajimara had fought an 18 war, 18 year. Um, war against white settlement in the Western District of Victoria, and they also produced every indigenous, uh, every Aboriginal boxing champion in Victoria. Lionel Rose, Harry Hayes, Lockie Austin, Arthur Thomas, Henry Armstrong, Graham Brook were all Gunajimara. Wow. Gunajimara, yeah. Wow. Yeah, they, were, they, were, they, they valued athletic prowess pretty highly. That is incredible. Mm. What, what lineage. Just absolute stars. Fighting. Yeah. Machines. Hard units. Many Many uh, Gunajimara as well served in both the First and Second World War. Um, and Reg Saunders was the only... Oh, where has it gone? Sorry, I just lost my spot. Um, Reg Saunders was the only Aboriginal to ever become a commissioned officer in the Australian Army. I don't know if that's changed since, since this was written, but anyway. Um, and as I said, the first Aboriginal cricket team uh, that toured England in 1868 were um, in, with a part of the Mara Nation... Um, including several Gunajimara. And Tom was, he organised that tour. He taught the locals cricket, both before he went to England and, and afterwards. Um, and this team beat England over in England. Um, no way. The first, oh. the first Australian team to beat England. Oh, wow. They would have burnt down old England town that night. Could you imagine? Oh. That would have been ropeable. Bunch of convicts and indigenous Australians beating them at their own game. At the lo- I'm Lord's amazed. Game. I'm amazed that they even played them. Yeah. Against them. That's yeah, incredible. actually, of course. Yeah. What am I thinking? In the 1860s, they wouldn't have allowed indigenous people out on the on the, ov- on the ground. Yeah. I'm amazed. That um, is fascinating. It's tr- well, yeah. And the 1877 side that beat England, who, they're, they're like widely celebrated and that's the birth of Australian test cricket. And this, this team of 1868 of um, indigenous players is, I mean, people know a little bit about it, but it's largely forgotten. I'd never heard that. Yeah. Now, uh, Tom Wills clearly promoted cricket to the Indigenous Australians in the region. Um, so, is it not straightforward to, to think that they were sharing their games? It seems crazy to think it would all be one way. Yeah. Hmm. Exactly. It's, <laughs> it's pretty clear. And if not, if it, if it, even, if it, even if he didn't play, is it not reasonable to assume that, at the very least, the game of Mangrup may have influenced the creation of such a unique game considering the similarities it's pretty impossible it's, for it not to have him not, not to have been influenced by some way it's so different from 
European games are uh, and so similar to the indigenous game that it, I just it just it's, it's, it's the, a no brainer. It doesn't. It's a fucking no brainer. It is such a no brainer. Yeah. Also, the fact that like the greatest, a lot of the greatest AFL players of all time have been indigenous Australians who've been yeah, playing 3% the game. Yeah, percent of the population, ten percent of um, footballers. Yeah. And they're amazing. The best. At, look at the fucking weekend. Look at Eddie Betts and, and Lance Franklin still doing it, Oof. still getting it done, at, 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 in their in their thirties. And and like you said, Indigenous Australians play mangrook for thousand odd year, thousands of years. Yep. It's it's in the psyche. It's in their blood. Yep. Now here's another quote from uh, James Dawson, who published a book on Australian Aborigines in 1881. Um, this is his experience with the Gunitjamara. Um, at the time of the settlement of the Western District in 1844. Um, there's a section called Aboriginal Football, and it reads as follows. One of the favourite games is football, in which 50 or as many as 100 players engage at a time. The ball is about the size of an orange and is made of an opossum skin, with the, side, with the first side outwards. It's filled with pounded charcoal, which gives solidarity without much increase of weight, and it's tied hard around with kangaroo tail sinews. The players are divided into two sides and range in opposing lines, which, are, uh, which have different totems so um i'm not entirely sure how the totemic system works with indigenous australians um the, i don't know how it works exactly but um you wouldn't necessarily be playing just with your tribe because all the clans in the nation around you they would have similar totems because you'd all it was a very complicated social structure so that it didn't ensure, it ensured there wasn't much intermarriage and that kind of stuff so i think you'd play with the same totem as you were um, okay. Anyway, so each side endeavours to keep possession of the ball, which is tossed at a short distance by hand and then kicked in any direction. The side which kicks it oftenest and furthest gains the game. So that's how you win by kicking it as far as you can and as high as you can for as it's long all about, as you can. It's all about those meters gained, man. Possession, man. Yeah. It's a possession um, game. And the player who kicks the ball the highest is considered to be the best player. Who can um, take it at the highest point, though? Hmm. Mm. And they they have the honour of burying it at the ground until uh, required the next day. Now, the sport is concluded with a shout of applause and the best player is complimented on his skill. The, um, the game, which is somewhat similar to white man's football, this is a quote, I'm just saying, is very rough, but as they play barefoot and naked, they don't really hurt each other as much as, the white, as, white, as, much as white people do, nor is the fact um, of an Aborigine being a good football player considered to entitle him to assist in making laws to the tribe in which he belongs. So that's something that's changed, I guess. You oh, wouldn't yeah. be put up as high on a platform the, even if you were good at football. Yeah, you've got you know. some mad concessions. If you're good at football, you can you can uh, glass people and cheat and be horrible and be yeah. a drug addict, and then you can be on TV. Oh, yeah, and have a regular column in the newspaper. and Yeah. Yeah. Because you you're good at football. You can. No. Um, okay, it's back in the day. I, I also read an account of after the footy of after the game finishing, the teams had come together, and the captains or the equivalent would be would kind of they wouldn't in order to figure out who had won, they'd go, oh, gee, the the you cockatoos played a bloody good game today, and they're like, oh, you goannas, you played a killer game today. It's like, well, yeah, well that guy in your team, whoo, that time when he jumped up high and took that mark, that was great, and they just keep complimenting each other until it was clear one team had played better than the other. <laughs> what, a, what a lovely way to resolve the result of a game. I love yeah. that. They talk That's... about the boasting that would go on for days afterwards as well of, of their own individual feats and stuff. That's amazing. <laughs> I love it. All the stories. 
did you see me up there? I kicked it so high, <sighs> so far. That's and awesome. That's so cool. Love that. Now, Dawson clearly referred to the game's similarities to the white man's game, but it also he also pointed out some unique differences. The more open nature of the native game, with specific lines of individual opponents matched for height and weight, and an emphasis on kicking the ball long and high or handballing it into the open, keeping the ball up, um, making it distinctly dissimilar from the mass mauling marauding scrum played at rugby. Here again, the similarities with Aussie rules are even more compelling. Rather than the ball being hacked on the ground in a scrum, like in rugby, the ball was constantly being kicked high in the open and then run after and pursued and taken possession of and kicked again. Clearly implied is that the catching of the ball from a kick enables the player to take his kick without being tackled. Now, the most compelling of all is the way in which players leapt high on each other's backs to catch the ball. Big that was new. That, hadn't, that wasn't a rugby thing. Oh, not at all. Speaky McGee. Mm-hmm. Um, now, uh, there is a glossary of the language used in both uh, in the Dawson book, and sure enough, there was a ab- Gunajamara word. Uh, the Gunajamara word for catch was mamaki, which abbreviated was similar to the word mark. That's one theory of why a mark is called a mark. The other one is that that's where you mark the ground. So who knows? Right. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Also, yeah. it's oh. in the glossary like you low dog asshole umpire. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> green maggot. Yeah. Fuck the umpires. <laughs> um, the other the other thing that was interesting is the word barracking as we all take for granted, it's entirely peculiar and unique to Australian football and it's caused considerable speculation to its origins. Really? Uh, now, yeah, this includes a fanciful story that the children of a Melbourne, Melbourne orphanage, which had been converted from an old army barracks, used to make a really loud sound. They supported loud. Mm. Um, and Or that the army team had very noisy, noisy supporters from the barracks, hence barracking. That barracking but sound. There is, yeah, but there wasn't an army really in colonial Victoria. So, yeah. Um, on the other hand, I've been told that the word barrack, uh, sorry, not I, this is um, Jim Poulter. On the other hand, um, the word barrack or barrack is also an indigenous word meaning cheering. Well, there we go. Per, per yep. chance that might be the true origin of the word barracking. <laughs> and interestingly enough, on the other side, as in the orphans from the old army barracks or the army side or whatever... Um, that, that, the history for that, um, origin of the word barrack is purely oral and yet oh. there is written evidence uh, okay. of <laughs> another indigenous origin. And yet people are each, still, each unlo- way, still think the Aboriginal ones are unlikely. Oh, yeah. yeah. When it's their stories, don't know if I believe it, but we said it. I told you the barrack where they were going, barracking in the barracks. Back to the barracks. Um, <laughs> In the AFL, this is such a controversial issue still, and people, uh, it's caused the what they call the AFL history wars since the eighties. Um, so much, and it's so it's still un, it's still not accepted um, largely in the AFL's official history of the Australian game of football since eighteen fifty eight, which they released in two thousand and eight. Um, uh, the writer of it, Hibbins, uh, proclaimed in a short and provocative piece that Mangrook had no connection to and not even any influence on Australian football. In this unusually strident piece, Hibbins dismissed the suggestions of such an indigenous influence as a seductive myth, myth, writing that, understandably, the appealing idea that Australian football is a truly Australian native game, recognising the indigenous people rather than deriving solely from a colonial dependence on the British, has been uncritically embraced and accepted in some places. (laughs) 
<laughs> so arrogant. <laughs> so Isn't arrogant. It? Like, it's fine to have be influenced by the Indigenous people's game. Like, what the fuck's and, wrong with that? It's awesome. Oh, it's so awesome. And now, other critics say that um, they think that uh, Aussie that there was a long-held myth that um, Aussie rules was influenced by Gaelic football um, because the Irish miners here for the gold rush. But it, strangely enough, it's um, the evidence kind of looks like it's in reverse. Um, so th- they think that actually um, the high kicking and, and, and some of the aspects of Gaelic football, which are similar to Aussie rules, might have been influenced by miners over here who saw Mangrook and then went back to Ireland and wow. took some of the features for wow, their game. Wow, no way. That's yep. awesome. That's amazing. Because when we're Gaelic, anyway. off the top of your head, question without notice, but what Gaelic mm. would be, I don't even know when, when that came about, when they would have been starting to play that football. The rules were codified after uh, Australian rules football was codified by Tom Wills. There we yep. go. Well, mm. probably. Probably got some influence from here then, right? From their travels wow. abroad. We used to play this game. It's called Mangrook. At least there, there is at least as much evidence, if not more, than they that they were influenced by Mangrook than that uh, than there is that Aussie rules was influenced by Gaelic. So you can argue both ways there, and really we don't know. But the links between Mangrook and Aussie rules seem pretty clear to me. Yeah, yeah, they're pretty they're pretty similar. Oh aren't no, you've gone. Ooh, you've paused. Skypey boy. <laughs> Well, in true AF Eloquence fashion, we had a nice little Skype mix-up just there. So, but that's that pretty much wraps it up for the history segment um, and for us this week. And thanks everyone for listening this week. You can catch us all on our socials, AF Eloquence at Instagram. What am I talking about? AF Eloquence on Instagram, uh, AF Eloquence on Facebook, and AF Eloquence at gmail.com if you want to hit us up with some emails. Anyway, thanks everyone for listening. Bye-bye.